song tonight will be number 311, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less, number 311. We'll sing the first, second, and fourth verses. Number 311. Mm. My hope is built on nothing less Than Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame But wholly lean on Jesus' name on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness fails his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, for blessed to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Tonight I'll be reading from Proverbs chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring forth. Let another man praise you, do not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. A, heavy, a stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's, a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel, and anger a torment, and who is able to stand before Jesse? Open, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from his nest is a man who wanders from his place. Our song before the opening prayer tonight will be number 416. Number 416, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. We'll sing the first and third verses. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not care. 
thank to God in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee, take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee, thou wilt find a solace there. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day that you so richly blessed us with, and we thank you for allowing us to come together as a band of thy children tonight and sing these songs, praise thy great and holy name, and hear another lesson from your word. Heavenly Father, we just ask you tonight to please be with the will, give him a ready recollection of the things that he has prepared. Heavenly Father, we as students of your word will hear the things that he says and apply it to our lives. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your son Jesus who was willing to come to this earth and live among men and die a cruel death on the cross that we can have a home in heaven with thee someday if we're found faithful. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all the many blessings that you so richly blessed us with. But at this time, we just want to ask you to please be with all our congregation here, all those that are sick, uh, that's had surgeries or going to have surgeries and tests, we just ask you to please be with them. You are the great physician, and you can heal each one of them. And we thank you for the progress of some of our sick, and we just ask you to continue to be with those. Heavenly uh, Father, we just know there's so many on our prayer list, and you know each and every one of them. And we just ask you to heal them if it be your will. Heavenly Father, we just know there's so many that is grieving at this time over loss of loved ones. May they look to you for strength and comfort as only you can give them. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come together to worship you. And we just ask everything that we do here tonight will be in complete accordance with thy will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. At this time, would you please mark the invitation song, which will be number 607. The invitation song will be number 607. Before our lesson this evening, we'll be singing number 242. Number 242, Soldiers of Christ Arise. We'll sing the first, second, third, and fifth verses. Will you stand, please? Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on. Strong in the strength which God supplies. Strong in the strength which God supplies through his beloved Son. Strong in the Lord of hosts and in his mighty power who in the
the strength of Jesus' trust. Who in the strength of Jesus' trust is more than conqueror. Stand then in his great might with all his strength endued. But take to arm you for the the panoply of God, that having all things done and all your conflicts past, you may overcome through Christ alone. You may overcome through Christ alone and stand entire at be seated, please. Oh, wow, the PowerPoint matches the song. Look at there. Uh, I want to thank Howard for leading that song for me. There's a particular word in that song that I want to talk about tonight. So, a little background on Soldiers of Christ Arise. The original song was written by Charles Wesley, And uh, this guy was a music writer primarily for the United Methodist Church. But the music was later reworked by William B. Bradbury, and that's the version we have in our songbooks. It's mostly the same, but the tune is different. The words are mostly similar, but it definitely comes from that original version. But uh, this version that we sing in the Church of Christ has a very particular thing that uh, always puzzled me when I was a kid. So, the panoply of God. Does anybody know what a panoply is? I had no idea. I just was always like, wow, that's, that's a very biblical-sounding thing. I don't know how, have any idea what it is. But in the third verse, it says, but take to arm you for the fight, the panoply of God. And now I realize... Uh, The picture I had is up too high, and it's covering my definition, but that's my mistake. So a panoply is a complete set of arms or a suit of armor. And uh, so what he's saying in the song is, make sure you arm yourself with all of the armor of God. Look at his arsenal, get that stuff, and be ready for the fight. Uh, And I put a picture on here of the evolution of Roman armor throughout their empire. Uh, The thing that we're going to see mostly in the time of Jesus and in the time that Paul would have uh, wrote this would be the third picture there. That's what most people think of when they think of Roman soldiers. And that's what we would, that's what Paul would be referring to in the passage. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And you're probably all very familiar with this passage, but this is where that song comes from. They based most of the lyrics off this passage. So I'm going to read verses 10 uh, through 17 for you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so that is the armor of God. So I'm going to go through each little armor piece and we're going to talk about a little bit of historical reasoning for why this was a thing and make a biblical application as well. So this is a picture of the belt of truth. This is what the Romans would have wore in that day and age. It's not quite like the belts we wear today, uh, but it supported the sword, the dagger, and the bronze apron. And if you don't know what that is, that's those little tassely things that hang down in front. It was to protect the soldiers in their front. And so the belt is pretty important. It helps keep their weapons attached to their side uh, so they can have quick access to them, so they're not just carrying them around in their arms. It also protects them from attacks to the front that the breastplate doesn't guard. Um, And in the same way, when we fasten the belt of truth that Paul is talking about here, uh, truth supports the Bible, and it helps us carry our faith. Our faith is founded on truth. It's founded on facts, not fiction, and it's not founded primarily on feelings. There is real facts that support the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And this belt of truth uh, helps us to withstand against the lies that the world tells us. We live in a world right now where truth is kind of a messy term, It used to be that everybody knew what the word truth meant. The capital T truth is the way it is, and there are no versions of the truth. But today, we live in a world where truth seems to be kind of relative to each person. I believe this because that's how I identify, or I believe this because that's the way I was raised. And how you think of yourself becomes your truth. Well, I'm here to tell you there isn't your truth. The truth is not anybody's to own. The truth is unto itself, and it doesn't change. That doesn't always mean that we know everything. I certainly don't know everything. Uh, Definitely not. But there is a truth all the time, and it's certain. And the truth is not always fashionable either, uh, but it is essential for godly living. So, Uh, I like the passage that Nathan read a second ago. One of the things in Proverbs that he mentioned was, uh, forgive me, I don't remember the exact wording, but the open rebuke of a friend is better than the kisses of an enemy, something to that effect. The truth can hurt sometimes, but it is much better than the lies that make us feel good. And so although this belt may be heavy and it may not be fashionable, We have to have it for our Christian lives. Next up is the breastplate of righteousness. So this is another piece of Roman armor they would have worn in the time, and it 
obviously defends the internal organs. Uh, this is an extremely vital piece of armor because if you get stabbed there, there's a high likelihood you might die. If you get cut in the arm, that's not good, but you're probably not going to die from that. This breastplate defends against mortal injury. And uh, in our spiritual lives, it defends against attacks on the heart, which is where Satan likes to attack the most. So I'm going to read Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Some other translations might say guard your heart. But the point is, our hearts are very precious, and if wounded uh, or corrupted, that can be disastrous for us. So the heart and your soul are things that we need to defend at all costs. So this breastplate of righteousness is very vital. Um, When you ask people why they have left the church over the years, I don't know how it was back in the day, but I know in my time, the reason most people leave the church is not from some philosophical or intellectual belief. Most of them are because their heart is not in it anymore or they don't feel welcome, or somebody said something to them that drove them away. And even though that's not a rational thought, it's one that is very powerful. And if you think that your heart doesn't control you, just try to remember when you were a teenager. Uh, And I don't mean any offense to the teenagers, but we all know that at times in our lives, our heart controls us more than our brain. And so it's important to keep our heart safe from the attacks of the devil. He knows that that's where we're most vulnerable, and that's where he's going to attack first. Next up is the shoes of readiness. I thought there would be a cool name for armored shoes, but it turns out that the cool name for armored shoes is armored shoes. Uh, They don't have, like, a cool, awesome name for them. But in battle, the shoes are important. Um, If you go out on a battlefield and you're barefoot... That might not be a good thing. If you want to run toward the enemy, it'd be a real bad thing if you stepped on a sword or if you tripped and broke your ankle. Um, So these are very important when you're in a battle to run toward the enemy, away from the enemy, or anything else. You might jump or dodge, uh, however you would use your feet. So the shoes of readiness in Ephesians 6 are talking about readiness. And I think what he's talking about is the readiness to share the gospel. We have to keep our shoes of readiness on at all times to be prepared to share the gospel with people. Uh, This means that we have to be ready day in and day out. This means we have to know our Bible very well. This means that when we see an opportunity, we shouldn't be caught without our shoes on and thinking, oh, no, well, there'll be another time. We always have to have these on if we're going to fight in the spiritual war that's happening. And sometimes that means running toward the enemy. So there may be cases in life where you have to use your armor uh, offensively, and those shoes of readiness will help you do that. There may be other times in life where it is wiser to retreat. Um, So 
those shoes of readiness help prepare us for all of those situations. Uh, And the shield of faith. So shields over the history have looked a lot different for all the different nations. And the Greeks first invented this thing called the phalanx, which you may have heard of, where they get their shields together in a formation and it creates a wall. Uh, And the Romans took this idea and changed it a little bit because their shields were different. But this formation you see in the picture is called a testudo formation. And as you can see, they put all of their shields together, and it's really hard to kill any of those guys with arrows. That means they can march forward without any resistance and get to where they're going. Uh, They can even take blasts from a catapult or things coming down from the sky. It defends them from arrows above and in front. And some of them even have shields on the side. So this is like a completely armored vehicle. You might call it a first century tank. But rounded Roman shields, they're rounded to make all of the blows that hit them glance off. If it's a straight shield, uh, that impact can hurt the person who has the shield, and if it's strong enough, it can go right through. But since the shield is rounded, most of the arrows are going to hit it at an angle and bounce off. And it defends against sword attacks as well. And in the Bible, the shield of faith extinguishes all the darts of the evil one. So I imagine the devil with his bow and arrow and he's shooting darts that have flames on the end, like in Gladiator or something like that. But if we have the shield of faith, it will defend us from the majority of those attacks. And it extinguishes those flames as well. So it's not like they're going to bounce off and catch a fire in front of us. It's going to extinguish those flames so to protect us and the people around us. So I mentioned that you can join shields together to create a stronger formation. And the same is true for Christians. We all have our own shield of faith. But if we want to accomplish something great, many times we need to put our shields together to create a stronger community of faith. And that, as you know, is the church. When all Christians are working together, we look like that. Um, Now, if one of those breaks open, then we are exposed. Um, And we can still defend ourselves with our shields, but it's going to be more difficult. So we need to join our shields of faith together so that we can protect against everything that's coming at us. The helmet of salvation So just like the breastplate of righteousness defends against attacks on the heart, the helmet of salvation defends against attacks to the head. And uh, it also saves us. So attacks to the head, what do I mean by that? To me, what I interpret this this as is intellectual attacks. All right? I went to a public college. It's not nearly as bad as everybody says. But there were intellectual attacks that were directed at me when I was there. People that want you to believe things that are not true. And having this helmet of salvation helps protect your mind from being altered by the world. The helmet is a practical instrument that defends your head, but in ancient times, it was also a statement. 
it wasn't just a piece of armor. It also said something about you. You see that Roman helmet, it has that red plume on it. It's to say we're Romans and we're proud of it. Um, other examples, Darth Vader's helmet uh, in Star Wars. I know it's not really a helmet of salvation, but work with me. He wears that helmet for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's supposed to remind you of samurai helmets. Star Wars is a space western with samurais and wizards. So that's why his helmet looks like that. And it also is supposed to remind you of a skull. You see, the face doesn't look exactly like a skull, but it's supposed to conjure those images in your mind. So Darth Vader is supposed to be intimidating and fierce, and that's why his helmet looks like that. If he just wanted to protect his head, it would just be a dome with eyes. But he makes it look like that to scare people. And when he's standing there six and a half feet tall in all black, it's a pretty scary presence. Our helmet of salvation does not need to look like Darth Vader's, but it does need to say something about our faith. So as the Romans put that plume on their helmet to say, I'm Roman and I'm proud of it, our helmet of salvation needs to signify that we are soldiers of Christ. It needs to say that we're not ashamed of the gospel as well as protecting ourselves. Uh, It gives us salvation, and it tells others about it. It's like wearing a T-shirt for your favorite band, you know? I really like sticks. I have a sticks T-shirt, and people look at that, and they're like, oh, what is that? And then I tell them about my favorite band, Sticks, prog rock group from the 70s. Uh, But our helmet of salvation should do the same. It should draw people to ask us about our faith. And the last one is the sword of the spirit. Um, I remember when I was a kid and I first read all of these, there's another verse, and I believe it's in Hebrews, where the Bible is compared to a sword. So when I was a kid, I used to hit my friends with the Bible and tell them I'm hitting them with my sword. You know, stupid joke, but the theological uh, precedent is there. Uh, The Bible that we have is the word of God. And I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 4 really quick, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what that means is, The word of God is sharp. It cuts us. And if you want another example of that, uh, we'll look at Acts chapter 2, verse 37. And y'all probably know this one by heart because it comes before probably one of the most famous verses in the church. But I'll read it anyway. So now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This is after hearing Peter's first gospel sermon. All of the people there were cut to the heart. And what I take that to mean is their soul was open before them. They were ready to listen. They knew they had done wrong. They were ready to repent of their sins. And uh, the Bible, if we read it and take it as truth, should do the same to us. It should cut us to the heart. Um... When you read 
about the passion of the Christ and all the things he went through to save us from our sins, that should cut us to the heart. Uh, The pain that he had to endure just so that we could live, even in our sinful state, should make you sad. And it should make you feel like, I need to do something about this. Um, There's a lot of songs we sing before the Lord's Supper that remind us of the same thing. When I survey the wondrous cross, uh, when my love for Christ grows weak, go and read the lyrics of those songs sometimes. Um, It then in thought I go to thee, Garden of Gethsemane, meaning every time that I see a cross, I think of the pain that Christ had to endure for me. The Bible is sharp, and it will offend us occasionally. Uh, But that doesn't mean that it can't also be very encouraging. So sometimes the Bible has to be used as an offensive weapon. But we use this against the devil and not against people. When people are lost in sin, a lot of times it's the devil that's working at them. And we need to separate the person from the sin. We need to say, this person is lost and we need to help them rather than, I want this person to die. Because they, uh, even though they've made choices, they really probably wouldn't have made those choices in most circumstances. And all of us have been in a position at one point or another where we needed that grace. In fact, that's why Jesus died for us, to help us realize our sin and to help others realize theirs and to be saved. Uh, So how did Jesus fight Satan in the desert? Well, he did it with his sword, with the word of God. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 4 really quick. It's also in Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord God to your test, to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So this is a a real-life example of how we need to use our sword. When the devil comes at us with temptations, we have to be ready. We have to be on guard with our armor on and our sword ready to defend. Uh... The way we defend our faith is with the scripture. And in a lot of cases in life, 
uh, Satan will use Scripture against us. He does it in this passage here, uh, the second temptation. He quotes a couple of different Scriptures to try and throw Jesus off. And so the sword of the Spirit is not our weapon only. The devil knows how to use it as well. But we have to practice with our sword daily to get good. We have to practice to learn how to use the Bible so we won't be led astray and be caught off guard when somebody throws something at us that we don't understand. Now, I'm not saying that you have to memorize the Bible. You don't have to know every single thing in the world. But we do have to have a good grounding on our faith. We have to know the essentials if we're going to survive as a Christian in the world. And all of us should be learning continually. You're never going to reach a point in life where you know everything you want to know about the Bible. Uh, And in fact, the more I study it, the more I realize I don't know. So it's a, a bottomless pit of knowledge that you'll never reach the bottom of. It's an ocean. You'll never drink it all in. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and also learn it as much as we can. So my question to you tonight is, are you wearing the armor of God or the panoply of God, as I mentioned earlier? Do you have the belt of truth on you? Even though it may not be the most fashionable thing, are you telling the truth? Are you living the truth? Uh, Do you accept the lies of the world or are you going to be committed to what we know is true? Do you have the helmet of salvation? defending against those intellectual attacks of the world? Do you have the shoes of readiness? Are you ready to share the gospel when the opportunity comes? Do you have the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the darts of the evil one and defend against most of those attacks? Are you using your shield of faith with other Christians to make a wall uh, to make all of our faith stronger? Do you have the breastplate of righteousness to defend your heart? Because we know that that's probably the most vulnerable place uh, that most of us can be hit. And are you using the sword of the Spirit in a way that would please God? Uh, That's the invitation for tonight. If you don't know uh, what Jesus did for you, he died on the cross for your sins, and he wants you to be baptized for the forgiveness of those sins so that we can live the way he told us to and to tell others about it. That's the gospel, and that's what he wants us to do. So if you haven't uh, RSVP'd that invitation yet, now is your time. If you have been baptized and you are already a Christian, but you realize that I don't always wear the armor of God, sometimes I put it to the side, or I've made some mistakes... God will take you back. He always will. And uh, there is no gulf that is too great for God to cross to wash away your sins. If you need anything, if you need to come to God, please come as we stand and sing. Jesus is calling, calling, calling. Jesus is calling today. Why should I linger, linger, linger? I will arise and away. 
are so happy, 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 who do their Savior obey? Why should I linger, linger, linger? I will arise and away. Jesus is pleading, pleading, pleading. Why should I wander in sin? While to his glory, 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 glad he would welcome me in. They are so happy, 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 who do their Savior obey? Why should I linger, 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 I will arise and away. Jesus is waiting Waiting, waiting, open now, stand of the door. Soon the night falleth, 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 close are the gates evermore. They are so happy, 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 who did their Savior obey? Why should I linger, 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 I will arise and away. If there's anyone here tonight who has not had an opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared. Uh, As we sing the last song, you can exit uh, uh, to take the Lord's Supper. Uh, Our closing song will be number 275, Encamped Along the Hills of Light. Uh, one quick announcement: uh, I do. Uh, we do have someone that uh, has placed membership with us, Dale Murray, uh, over here. He uh, has placed membership. He's been here a while. Uh, uh, he's 23, but he he didn't like me saying that because in a few days he's going to be 24. So so don't forget that 23. So, but uh, uh, he has placed membership. He's been attending here. We want to welcome him as as part of the congregation. I think. Joanne's already got his uh, uh, thing about what, what to do to serve, so we, we've got that figured out. So, so uh, please uh, tell Dale that you're happy he's uh, placed membership. So uh, the final thing, I've got the men's uh, retreat information back on the bulletin board. Uh, if uh, Now, we've reserved a certain number of rooms, but if somebody else wants to go, uh, put your name and phone number and email address, and we'll see if we can get a room. Uh, we, we don't want to turn anybody away that wants to come. It'll be October 14th and 15th, one night. Uh, so if you can come, pl- please sign up and give us uh, your name. Again, our closing song will be number 275. We'll sing the first and last verses. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies against the foe in veils below. Let all our strength be heard. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. To him that overcomes the foe, white raiment shall be given. Before the angels he shall know, his name confessed in heaven. 
Then onward from the hills of light, our hearts with love aflame, will vanquish all the hosts of night in Jesus' conquering name. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. bow together. God, our Lord, we are so grateful, Father. We're so grateful, Lord, that we can call you Father and that you call us your children. Lord, we're so thankful that you have blessed us uh, so richly uh, to live in a country, Father, where we can come and worship you. We're so grateful, Father, for uh, the congregation here at Stroudsville, Father. We're thankful, Father, for the works that that take place, and we just pray that you'll continue to bless uh, this congregation, Father, uh, that your church, Father, will uh, continue to grow, Father, continue to spread, that we will be able to uh, constantly, Father, uh, seek the lost. Father, we're so thankful tonight to uh, be able to learn more about you, Father. Uh, We're thankful for, uh, for Will, Father, for... Uh, the ability, Father, you blessed him with uh, to take your word, Father, to uh, present it to us, Father, in a way that uh, helps us to, to better understand you, Father, and, and understand, Father, that the challenge that we have uh, constantly, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us this week uh, to be mindful, Father, of uh, the duty that we have as your people, uh, that we, Father, will ask ourselves daily, Father, uh, if we were putting on uh, your armor, Father, we are being prepared, Lord, to, to go to battle. And we pray, Lord, that uh, we realize that uh, constantly, Father, we are fighting that battle. We need to be prepared, Father. Uh, Lord, we, uh, again, thank you for so much, and, and we pray, Father, for so many uh, friends and family members, Father, who uh, aren't feeling well at this time, Father, who um, have different illnesses, Father, or, or different Father reasons for not being with us, Father. And we pray that you'll be with each one of those situations. Uh, bless those situations. We pray for healing, Father. And uh, We know, Father, of, of others who have uh, recently lost um, those who are dear to them, Lord, and we just pray that you'll help us as brothers and sisters, Father, to, to be there for one another, to uh, be that uh, soldier, shoulder, Father, to, to lean on. And uh, Lord, we, again, Father, are so thankful for Christ, we're so thankful, Father, for uh, the mercy that you show to us, the the grace that uh, you blessed us with. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.